When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ghosts in the Night, a Hauntings and Paranormal Podcast. I am Phil Sams. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come visit me and listen to this podcast. Today, we're going to tackle the subject of the always dreaded Ouija board. We're going to cover some history. We're going to go over some rules. We might even talk about that good old Ouija board demon. And also, I'm going to naturally give you my opinion on this topic and whether or not the Ouija board is a way to communicate with the dead, open a portal, or is it just plain BS? So stick around. Ghost in the Night with Phil Sams. All right, so let's cover the history of the Ouija board. I'm going to keep this short because there's a plethora of information you can find on it, so you don't need me regurgitating that to you necessarily. But there are some interesting points I do want to make when it comes to the history of the Ouija board. So I'm going to hit those topics, and then we're going to move into the rules and maybe even talk about that demon. Originally, the first instance of a talking board, I should say, really dates back to China, back in the 1100s. They used some sort of talking board to communicate. Oracles would use them and, and things such as that. So that was really the first introduction to some sort of talking board where people would interact or communicate with the dead. In the 1800s, there was an uptick in spiritualism especially during the Civil War time. Whenever there's a war or dramatic loss of life, life, there is always going to be a, you know, a desire to reach out to your loved, one, loved ones that have passed and kind of get some closure. So naturally during the Civil War, people really wanted to make contact with those loved ones they lost in the war. There was a real popularity of spiritualism at that time, and that continued throughout the late 1800s. Now, naturally, the U- somebody in the U.S. decided they could make a buck off this. So the Canard Novelty Company filed patents to actually produce these Ouija boards. And I think they debuted in right around 1901. And they were a big su- success. They were very popular. People considered, they really considered it and it was marketed as, you know, fun for the whole family. You know, gentlemen would buy it for their female companions or wives or friends or whatever and it was a way to bring the family together and really start to 
enjoy time together. However, there was no talk of demons. There were, you know, wasn't any demonic things at that time. It was just a fun, essentially, game. The popularity of this game, talking board, spirit board, Ouija board, whatever you want to call it, with the rise of spiritualism, you know, the influx of death and people naturally being curious towards the afterlife and spirits, the popularity just soared. And even in during World War II, I believe, the Ouija board actually outsold Monopoly. You know, because people wanted to, have always had a fascination with the spirit world and interacting with ghosts. It's just, it's just not a modern thing. People have always had a fascination with death because, let's face it, we're all going to get there someday, and, you know, we want to know what's on the other side. So that is why people turn to religion. That is why people want to interact with the dead and ghosts and spirits and find out what's on the other side so we do not fear it as much because there is 100% finality to death. Once you're here, once you die, you're gone. Now, we're, we're not going to debate the reality of the spirit world. We all have our different opinions, and that is something personal for you and personal for me. You know, I think if you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about the afterlife. I don't know. I believe that there is, but I'm not 100% sure of anything. So let's, how did the Ouija board go from a fun way to bring the family together and talk to the spirit world and just make contact the early days of paranormal investigating. When did it make that turn to basically being a way to open a portal through hell to hell? Naturally, religion has always frowned upon this kind of behavior naturally. You know, they don't want you to make contact with the spirit world unless it's their way. Let's be honest. You know, any way that deviates from their way of talking to us, a higher being or talking to spirits, it's bad unless it's they're pushing it. So naturally, the church really started to push the idea that this was not a great and safe way to entertain yourselves. But it really wasn't until 1973 with a little movie called The Exorcist. And if you haven't seen that movie, you know, go check it out, I guess. It's been how it's been forever since I've seen it. But that is when the Ouija board really took a turn and basically you were doomed to be possessed if you used the Ouija board. How, I mean, and basically the premise of the story is it's about possession. A little girl got possessed and it started all by using a Ouija board. So naturally, leave it to Hollywood to screw it up for everybody else. And just like people believe everything on Facebook, people believe everything they see in the movies, it seems like. It wasn't until this movie when the demon aspect of this really started to rear its head and take hold in society. Now, a lot of people say that there's one demon associated with the Ouija board, but I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I've used Ouija board when I was in my younger days. I didn't have an interaction with a demon. That was way back when I was basically a kid when I used it. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about this kind of stuff. And But there are some people 
believe that you can't even mention this demon's name. But guess what? I'm going to. The demon is Zozo, and they have said that this demon will start interacting with people through different means through the Ouija board. If it's basically like opening a portal to his world, he will start, he or she, I don't really know if Zozo's a male or female. It really could come off as a nice, friendly Casper-type spirit and answering your questions, having a good old time, and then at some point it will turn dark and shit will start hitting the fan, and next thing you know, your head's spinning around backwards and you're levitating above your bed. Now, whether or not Zozo is one spirit or just a group of spirits just basically yanking our chain and having fun with us, I don't know. There is that philosophy that maybe Zozo isn't one spirit. It's a bunch of spirits just using that moniker because, like, I, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know, I've had some ghost box sessions with the word Satan has come up. Now, do I believe that Satan was actually in either of these two locations in which it happened? No. If it was a spirit, then it was just a spirit spirit using that word to intimidate me and the people in that particular session. I do not think Satan was there. If he's got that kind of time, I'm not that worried about it anyway then. I would think he'd have more important things to do on his agenda than screw around with me on a Friday or Saturday night in a pitch black room with uh, basically a radio in my hand. So I do not think that Satan was there. Just like it might be the same with this Zozo in the Ouija board. So what can happen when Zozo or any evil spirit, I guess, starts interacting with you through the Ouija board? Now, there's been reported cases of depression, thoughts of suicide, which really honestly goes along with depression, I guess. Now, there's even been reports of sexual encounters, you know, the incubus and succubus aspect of the paranormal. You know, I've never had that kind of activity in my life, so I can't really speak that much about it. But I know that there have been some reports of that kind of behave or that kind of action or that kind of response to the use of a Ouija board. If you're using a Ouija board, how do you know you are interacting with a demon if you believe in that kind of thing? Um, there are several things that can occur during a session that might cause you to perk your ears up and say, hmm, maybe I am dealing with something a little bit on the darker side. Like if the planchette moves, connects all four corners, generally a sign that you're interacting with something a little bit darker and a little bit heavier and the shit's about ready to hit the fan. Spelling out the word Zozo or the name Zozo, that's pretty good clue. You know, maybe. Numbers counting down backwards, you know, nine, eight, seven, six. Same goes with the alphabet, you know, starting the rear end of the alphabet and heading toward A. That's could be a good bet. And also figure eight. If the planchette starts moving in a figure eight motion, you might be dealing with something or Zozo might be knocking at the door. Now, it's said that if these things start happening, 
It's best to stop it before it completes the action. That helps you with the odds of coming out okay and or gives you a better chance of coming out not being possessed, I guess. But, you know, this is all reports and you take you have to take anything you, somebody's a experience unless you were actually there with a grain of salt. You like I said, you weren't there. Who knows? They could just have an active imagination. Now, if you've experienced this yourself, be sure to let me know. Send me an email at ghostofthenightpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at night underscore ghost. Send me a direct message. Let me know what experience you've had, good or bad. If you've been possessed, hit me up. Love to hear about it. Apparently, a zoologist is a thing. I was not aware. And, you know, that term has been thrown out there. And apparently there is one zoologist that I could find. And that is Mr. Daryl Evans, I believe is his name. And you might recognize him from, you guessed it, he's been on Ghost Adventures. Leave it to them to find the one zoologist. He's been in a few episodes that I think two that I can think of, maybe more. I don't watch it religiously. But I know I've seen him, I believe, on two episodes. And his story generally is, you know, he was haunted. I don't I don't think he was possessed by Zozo, but he was haunted by Zozo. And Zozo, you know, made his life hell, apparently. Even in one account, I believe he, something grabbed his daughter, I believe it was, and picked her up and carried her through the house. He explained all this on Ghost Adventures, I guess. Take that for what it's worth. Somebody's always getting possessed on that show, so why shouldn't Zozo make an appearance? But I don't hold a lot of credibility to these stories unless I see it firsthand. Then I put a little bit more credibility with the stories. If I, you know, if I see it, if somebody tells me a story or I see something, I will say, hey, yeah, that kind of got kind of got weird at some point so that is one aspect you have to be very careful of when researching the Ouija board especially if you YouTube that shit 90% of that shit is just for views and they are making some serious shit up do your research if you are interested in this topic and see you know but just look at it with a skeptical eye so let's get to the next portion of the Ouija board, there are a bunch of rules you need to follow, apparently, when you play, or I shouldn't say play games, people get pissed when you say it's a game. When you do a session with the Ouija board, you need to follow certain rules. Uh, I kind of looked up to see how many rules, and it really varied from site to site, from video to video, but there were some common goals that you need to abide by apparently if you want to have a safe session with the Ouija board. Naturally, never play it alone. Some people will even take that a step further. Never play it alone and don't play it in your own home. I mean, it kind of makes sense, honestly. If there is anything to the Ouija board, you probably don't want to do it in your own home. However, doing it in another home or someplace else which also never you do it in a cemetery. Apparently that's 
some bad shit can go on. I don't put much stock in the whole cemetery thing. Cemeteries are scary in our own psyche. You know, I don't even like to go do EVP sessions or anything in a cemetery because I'm not that sure why would a spirit still be at the cemetery. Those are just the vessels. That's not the spirit itself. They have moved on and they are probably to another place. Why are they just hanging out where their bodies are at? So I don't put much stock in cemeteries. I just think the idea of the cemetery creeps people out. So naturally, they feel they have some experiences at a cemetery just for the mere creep factor. And I will talk about kind of that that topic a little bit here toward the end. Why that is, why we find so much fear in, say, a cemetery. So stick around for that. But never play alone. And the same thing kind of goes with that as well. You know, when you're alone, you know, you can get freaked out if you're doing something that something negative could happen or you're interacting with the spirit world and you're alone, it's going to freak you out. Now, the next one that was common on just about every site or every person I listened to, don't play depressed because that puts you at a weakened state. No shit. There's probably a lot of shit you shouldn't do when you're depressed. And when you do it depressed, you are more likely to have an encounter, and it could be negative. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean necessarily mean it's a spirit or a demon. It just could be yourself, and I'll get into that as well a little bit later. But apparently, a lot of people say negative entities are drawn to people with those type issues. You know, they feed on, I've always heard, and I don't put a lot of stock in this either, that they feed on fear. Now, the next, I included the next rule because I didn't see it on every, I did see a version of it, I should say, on most, is always do, or you should do a blessing before and after you do a session. Okay. You know, if you've opened up a portal of hell, and you just sprinkle some salt around and some holy water around. Unless you've got a priest on standby, I'm not sure how much good it's going to do if you've actually opened up a portal and let a demon through if you buy all that. But if it, whatever makes you sleep at night and gives you peace of mind, do it, I guess. But I think that's the key, whatever gives you peace of mind. That's a very important phrase to use when talking about it, any kind of blessing or whatever. If it gives you peace of mind, by all means, knock yourself out. The next one, if I played, there is, I said it again, played, if I used a Ouija board today or this weekend or the next session, paranormal investigation I go on, I use a Ouija board, I guarantee you I will be guilty of this and probably will bring the wrath of the almighty Zozo. And that is, they say you should never mock the spirits. But I'm sorry, I would pro- I'm would. a smart ass, so naturally I'm going to do a little mocking if they, if I'm using a Ouija board and the uh, spirit gives me a dumbass answer, I'm going to make fun of it a little bit. It's not disrespect. I'd do it to anybody I was, if, you know, I was with my buddies, and 
they say something stupid, I'm going to say something. So I would probably be guilty of this and probably would be possessed, but we'll see. Maybe I will do one here in the near future just to kind of give it a shot, because like I said, it's been, I was a child or younger, much younger, when the last time I had the privilege of using a Ouija board. The next rule is, oh, and I kind of covered this a little bit earlier, is when those signs of a demonic entity or a demon poking its head out, you need to stop it and don't let it complete the movement or whatever it's doing, whether it's connecting the four corners or counting down backwards or, you know, if you get Z, O, you might want to just forcibly stop the uh, good old planchette from going to the next two letters. Pretty much self-explanatory. Makes sense, I guess. Of course, how strong could it even be if it has to actually do that to come out? I don't know. That's a question somebody can answer me. I don't know. And oh, the next one is, naturally, you open the session and you always say goodbye with the set, the session. You know, never just, you know, take your hands off the planchette and say, eh, put it in the box and go. Now, we could get into, a, which I'm not, I really didn't, didn't want to talk about, but as I've sitting here talking and thinking, I thought maybe I should go ahead and include this. Um, and that is, this, if you do have a session that turns bad and you want to get rid of the um, Ouija board, you know, what do you do? You know, naturally, people say never burn it. Um, most common thing is people say you don't necessarily have to get rid of it, but make sure the board somewhere in the planchette are separate and never touching. Okay? But it seems like the most common is to take it and bury it face down and then bury the planchette someplace else. That seems to be the best way to dispose of one. If you know of another way or a better way or I'm wrong, let me know. But that apparently is the best way to dispose of a Ouija board. Let's go ahead and get to my thoughts on the Ouija board. And do I buy it? Do I think it's a portal to hell? Do I think it's a great way to interact with spirits? Now, if you've made it this far, you can probably tell that I don't put a lot of stock in all of this. I personally feel it's a game. It's a parlor trick. I don't think that spirits are actually interacting. I, I shouldn't say I don't think. I, I'm not sure whether the spirits are actually interacting through a Ouija board. But you know, the Ouija board was, what, patented in 1900 and went on the market in 1901, I believe. Um, so basically, that was their way of communicating. Today, we have the ghost box, um, the ovulus. Those are all ways to communicate with spirits. They're basically the modern-day Ouija boards. Now, you don't hear people saying never use a spirit box to the same effect that you hear people say, Ouija board's not a game, you shouldn't even do it. Spirit box is just a modern day way to communicate with the spirits just like the Ouija board is. So why can't 
a spirit if a spirit can interact through a ghost box or the ovulus machine ovulus device or whatever that's just it's the same thing you it's the same way to communicate with the spirit world if you think that that's exactly what it's doing my main problem with the spirit board is really there is just way too much room for trickery, especially, you know, never play it alone. You play it with four or five, six people. If they're like, if you're playing it with people like my friends, I guarantee you one of my friends is going to dick with us. Apparently I hang out with assholes, so they're going to screw with me and they know me. So I ask questions, they're probably going to know the answer. There's just no way to 100% know if somebody's in Jerking your chain, or actually, it's a spirit spelling out the words because you can say, "Did you move that?" They're not. They're gonna say no. Of course, they're gonna say no. I've never once heard of somebody saying, "Ah, oh, you got me." No, I never touched it. I never moved it. That's there's just too much room for fakery and tricksters. So that is my main issue with the. Ouija board as a communication device. If you there, I believe Brain Games did a yeah, it was Brain Games. Yeah, they did a sh- session on or did a show on the Ouija board, and they did a basically the session was they had well, I think four people, four or five people. I think it was just four. Use a Ouija board, and they were getting relevant, you know, answers, and you know, people were, you know, saying they weren't moving it. And then they did a second session, and the person who was doing the, basically it was an experiment, was doing the experiment for the second session, blindfolded him. Now, the spirit that was interacting with him, if it was a spirit, was apparently, as soon as they did the session blindfold, he couldn't hit any letters, any numbers. He was just randomly, he or she. The spirit was just randomly, you know, it. the planchette was randomly stopping on nothing. So what? why is that? Why did, in one session, it was working perfectly. In the next session, when the people were blindfolded, nothing was happening. And it didn't spell out anything, didn't give any kind of coherent answer whatsoever. Somebody was moving it. Now. The tricky part is, were they moving it on purpose, or were was there is there is something called the ideomotor effect, where your brain sends signals to your muscles and causes move, movement, and you might not even know it's you're doing it. It's this kind of the same principle why people put doubt dousing rods. You know, your brain sends a little a little signal to a muscle, and it could cause a twitch, and you not feel it. You don't know you're doing it. So you are answering honestly when you say, I didn't move it. But when in fact, you actually might have answered your own question. That is something you have to take into account. You can't just say, oh, that's hogwash. You have to throw that into the pot and take all that information and come to a logical conclusion. You just can't discount that like a lot of people do. and That is because of confirmation bias. People want to believe, and if you want to believe that bad, 
you it doesn't matter what you actually see or do, you're going to think of the spirit. Just like in that brain game session. Even after he pointed out, after the, both sessions, I took their blindfolds off and he told them and he met, you know, he would, the first session he'd write down what they, the planchette spelled out. In the second session, he did the same thing. You know, if it, he just drew a box, I believe it was, if it hit nothing. And even with that evidence, the people, I know, I can't remember exactly how many, but I know one person actually said, well, I still believe. You have to take all the evidence and be rational and put it all together and come up with your own belief. And if you still look at the pros for the Ouija board or any kind of paranormal and the cons for for the same event and you still come up with fine if you still come up with a feeling that something paranormal happened or you were interacting interacting with a spirit okay fine that's great as long as you looked at it objectively objectively then fine i'm good with that but it's just there are so many people that it defines them they're paranormal experience defines them and they want to be different and no matter what evidence you present them they're still going to believe it was a ghost even if you actually say hey i banged that i closed that door they probably deep down will still believe it was a spirit the concept of confirmation bias you're going to see things your brain is going to tell you if you think it's you walk if you walk into a haunted location that's been reported hundreds of reports of ghosts and you're looking for ghosts you're going to find a ghost and that is something that's really hard in the paranormal field and I try to be very conscious of it I go out looking for it when I investigate I'm investigating to hopefully find or document or have some sort of experience with the spirit world but I'm very conscious of that confirmation bias that's why with whatever happens Whatever experience I have, I try to look at it rationally and be objective about it before I jump right to, you know, Aunt Lucy was was contacting me from the spirit world. I need, I'm aware and conscious of a confirmation bias. Because it's funny, if you've been out on a paranormal investigation and you can leave a comment and let me know if you agree with this, you might be at a location and nothing's really going on. You're not getting a lot of interaction or experiences. And all of a sudden, somebody will have an experience if you're in a group. And I guarantee you, as soon as one person has an experience, other people will start having an experience. That is confirmation bias. And you're getting justification by somebody else. You want that spirit to be there interacting with you so so bad. And when somebody else has that has an experience, you immediately will have one too. That is something all paranormal investigators have to take into account. Now let's talk about my belief in Zozo. Uh, no, I don't think that there's one particular. If just for sake of argument, if I believe that this. Ouija board actually was communicating with the dead. I don't think 
it's one demon attached to the Ouija board. Because, frankly, he'd be a lame-ass demon if that's the only way he could come out. If he is, can cause that much havoc in somebody's life, I'm sorry, he doesn't need my fingers on that planchette to move it. You want to impress me, move that son of a bitch around by yourself. Answer, I'm going to ask a question, you move it around and answer it. Then I will say, okay, I'm a believer. You got me. So if that demon is that powerful and can cause that much havoc, I understand the concept of portals and you are opening up a portal. But I don't think that you need that planchette to open that portal or have that interaction. If you're going to have an interaction with a demon, just sitting doing this podcast talking about it i am probably opening i might be opening up a portal i don't know never seen a portal open up but if a demon or a dark spirit needs that kind of needs me to put my fingers on a a piece of glass with felt or something on it to communicate with me i don't fear it that much sorry i just don't maybe i'm opening myself up and i might regret it if something does happen, awesome. Give me some great material to talk about on the podcast. But I'm going to close out by saying this. If you feel that the Ouija board is real, and I believe, you know, I do think we can form our own reality. So if you put that much faith and confidence in a Ouija board, then it is real to you. I'm not going to degrade you and call you an idiot for believing that the Ouija board is a way to communicate with the dead. Maybe it is. I could be wrong. I just don't. I want more proof and I want an experience with or where something could actually manipulate that. I need a little bit more cold, hard evidence, I should say. But, you know, that's if you believe it, great. I don't believe it, just like some people believe in God, some people don't. I'm not going to say you're a moron for thinking that the Ouija board is a way to open up a portal or communicate with the dead. I haven't seen, and through my experience, seen that much evidence saying that it is. I've heard stories, they're stories. That's all they are, and I think there's better ways. If you want to try to actually interact with the spirit, video camera, a digital recorder, in my own personal experience, that is what I really go investigating with, and everything else is just extra. And I, you know, I think, and I've said this on many podcasts and on many of interviews, that personal experience are number one, and every piece of equipment that you use that can validate that personal experience helps validate. And can help move you that much closer to answering the question, are the spirits interacting with us? Or can we interact with the spirit world? So that's going to wrap up this episode of Ghosts in the Night, the Ouija board edition. If you have, like I said earlier, a story that you want to share, you can always find, leave me a comment on the show notes at Ghost in the Night podcast.com or send me an email at ghostinthenightpodcast at gmail.com. 
I will have links to all those in the show notes and even on the Twitter post. And I do, there is a Facebook page that you can check out as well. You can contact me there. And it's at Ghost in the Night Podcast. Hell, I think that's it. I'd have to, it'll be in the show notes. All the links will be in the show notes. So until next week, take care, everybody. I believe next week I have a story from a listener who sent me his experiences or his childhood experience that he wanted to share with you guys. So that is what's coming up next week. So take care and we'll see you next week. for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at penfed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. <clears throat> the broken Bunsen burner burns so bright. South, Jamie. Southeast Asian Peninsula. Hey, hey, Jamie. Yes. I think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big. Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch to history, progressive history. today. Santa ski, slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.